And now for something completely different. Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show, presented by RIA Advisors. So listen, I'm in a rare mood today. So you all just sit down and listen to Financial Fitness Friday. Rich Rosso, CFP, Danny Ratliff, CFP Squared. You know what, Danny? I am tired of this Davos crap. I am done with it. Magic mushrooms, caviar, $2,500 a night hookers. Hopefully they're vegan to torture those guys. The stuff coming out of here and what these elitists think we should do. There was nothing about economics in this forum. Do you know if you kill a tree, that's just as bad as child abuse or murder? It is an anti-civilization forum. While they get all the perks. While they get all the of perks. a luxurious life, right? Yeah, all the caviar and waffle cones, I do not think, happen to be good for the planet. And the ceremonies, they had this woman blowing on the foreheads of all the dignitaries, making all these noises, and I was praying for the ghost of Mo from the Three Stooges to come and just poke them both in the why I order. They're so stupid, they wouldn't even know to put their palms between their eyes. I, I have to say that these masters of the universe, these 3,000 elitists, and John Kerry, and all these people who come in on their jets, it's just too much. Let it be about economics. Central banks are not supposed to deal with climate change. I mean, I was, I was flabbergasted by the bubble, Danny, that what most people are going through every day what I call bucketnomics, which means Joe Biden's bucket of inflation that he caused through the second act there of the Inflation Reduction Act and all his acts that have created this bucket of inflation. Sure, less water in the bucket going forward, but I still have a bucket of, in, of inflation that I need to deal with every day as a household. And the stuff these people were talking about and how they can't get over themselves... I don't know. It's just it's just too much. Well, it's unfortunate. I think they're so out of touch with what the average person's going through is that they don't even know where they stand anymore. Much, much less you talk about the economics of it. I mean, I'm sure that's there. It's got to be. Some of it's in there. You know, Jamie, Don, you know, some people are up there actually talking about economics. And I'm sure you get all the bombastic highlights that are ridiculous. But, man... How these people are so full of themselves. And, and, and the theme was how do we gain trust? You don't get it. You blew it. Yeah, I think that's a hard thing to get back. I try to explain Absolutely. to the kids, right? Like, hey, the biggest thing, worst thing you can do to me to do is lie to me because it, life's going to get real tough, right? And these guys just don't get it they because don't. they make up their own rules. They make up their own bureaucrats that want to rule the world. I mean, it's a James Bond theme overall. 
Nothing good comes from the name Schwab. Let's just say that. <laughs> Klaus, Chuck, whatever the name you want to throw in there. All I'm going to say is what people have to go through every day, you have to go through every day. And we get to meet with people who try to make ends meet. It just it, it infuriates me. I, I'm just glad it's over. And the Dow futures are up 135 points. So we had a nice tech rally yesterday. Trying to, I'm trying to bring my blood pressure down. <sighs> zen, zen, zen. Think zen. S&P futures up 23. NASDAQ futures up 136. You know, it's sort of been wishy-washy since the beginning of the year. Lack of direction, Danny. All this talk about, will the sectors that failed last year be the sectors of this year? It's so hard to say right now and get some clarity on what's going on and what, where, what, who the winners are going to be. Obviously, tech and AI and so forth, I think, are still the narratives. And I still believe that with this Goldilocks, that the cocaine bear is, is Mr. Powell and the Fed. And all this talk I just read um, out of the Atlanta Fed, this uh, speech, that they are truly trying to walk back the velocity or the speed of these rate hikes, allegedly, that the market's pricing. Q3. They got a, yeah, they got – well – even that, with this good old bucket of inflation and what's going on in the Red Sea, I just don't see it, Danny. I just don't see how we're talking a rate cut by March. I mean, again, anything could happen. Maybe they know something we don't. It, it just doesn't seem to be the case. Well, you're beginning to see more and more Fed chairmen begin to speak exactly about that, right? Walking it back, saying, hey, it's going to be a little bit later. But see me, FedWatch still has it a 50-50 chance of a rate cut in March, which I'm with you. I don't see it happening right now. Economic data has not been, you know, well, it's slowed some. It's not where it probably should be. But you go look through all this stuff. It's crazy. I mean, if you look back, I think they got 11 of 12 jobs numbers mm -hmm. this last year in 2023. Wrong. Mm -hmm. 11 of 12. Yep. So, in, in fact, on average, they had to revise these numbers by 40,000 jobs a month. A month. It's crazy. But it's, we're paying uh, for these statisticians, you know that, right? I know. You want to talk about it. Never I know. Mind. You're going to get me going, too. You know, I always thought that paying taxes was an honorable thing to do, and now I want to puke. <laughs> I wish I could direct where the money goes because it's ridiculous. So, again, you got to remain steady in your allocation, your goals. You know, it's very tough to remain calm and unemotional when it comes to things that we see every day. But you have to, and you can't take it out on your money. That's the last thing you want to do. Last year was such a great example. People so frustrated. I want to get out of the market. I want to go into 5%. I want this. I want that. Market's not going anywhere. I'm worried. I'm worried. worried. And look what happens. It's always, to me, all the books I've read about the Great Depression – Anything I've read by Marty Zweig, it's always about the Fed. It's always about interest rate. But the narrative is so hyperbolic, right? And years ago, I, rem I remember, I remember, this so Lance and I would be in the rocking chairs, I remember a time when the market would actually move higher when people got jobs and the economy was good. Now, you don't want that. You want everything to be weaker. You don't want retail sales to be stronger because it's all about the Fed. Well, because it's all about debt. 
Yes. That's why. Absolutely. I mean, if you look back and you look back at the amount of debt that we have, what is our service on debt every day? It went from like one billion oh to three billion a day. Mm-hmm. And how counterintuitive is that? It's out of control. Yeah, absolutely. You cannot do that in your own household. But obviously, there are people that are still spending. Look at uh, leisure and hospitality, restaurant spending. You know what? Uh, you know, the government's going to send you a check. You're sort of securing your job. We don't mind putting things on credit. But sooner or later, it's going to break. The IMF said that 75% of the rate hikes have already been passed through the system. This is a very slow move. I saw a commercial yesterday for COVID relief funds. There is still so much cash out there. We'll continue the discussion when we get back here on Financial Fitness Friday. Stay tuned. Investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. So, United Van Lines came out with their 47th annual national mover study. Where did people relocate? So, the highest percentage of incoming Bunker. movers versus those leaving was Vermont. Inbound moves accounting for 65% of total shipments. Among those moving to Vermont, 29% said they wanted to be closer to family or be more rural. In other words, they don't want to see people. And Vermont's an incredible state for that. Vermont is amazing. You can actually stand outside and you don't see anything but mountains and streams and nobody's around. No soylent green for as far as you can see. Not Montana? Montana would be great, but no. Wyoming? Florida had also the highest percentage of inbound movers. 13%. Where are most people moving out of? I thought it would be New York or California. It's actually New Jersey. Really? Yeah. Which exit? Now that Tony Soprano's dead, he can't <laughs> stay there anymore. It's not safe. Um, yeah, obviously, you know, you're going to see these continuing people moving away from high tax uh, state. And as the economies, as people get older and our demographics stink, people are moving to um, these areas to retire. But so it's always interesting when United Van Lines does these, um, where are people moving? It's, uh, I find it always interesting to see. I, I, I was shocked by Vermont. To, to kind of see actually like what's actually going on, not just the rhetoric we hear online, right? Exactly. Or, or on the news, but actually somebody that knows. Well, with the pandemic and housing prices, people are also looking for more affordable places to live. Uh, Arkansas was number four, West Virginia, number 10, uh, South Carolina, right? Improved the cost of living, less people. Is the common theme. More ham radio. <laughs> Bring back CB radio. Get rid of Meta. That's my uh, my idea for the weekend. We're we gonna do the show on CB. Why not? We could. This, the signal is as good. This is. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. 
Brent's not kidding. <laughs> and, and Texas, Sometimes if you can, if you be quiet, you can hear you know, on this station. Breaker, breaker. How's the traffic on I-45? Right? I've never heard no, I'm just kidding. No. That's all. I'm just kidding. Speaking of moving, but that's Texas like. is full, right? Texas is full. Yeah. Texas is closed. Actually, move to Austin, that which is really yeah. not Texas. That's not full enough. Texas is closed, yeah, except closed. for the southern southern border. It's not. Good. They're coming in droves over there. Uh, yeah, sure are. So, um, a lot of times we spend time on the um, the benefits of guaranteed income, <clears throat> not because we're pushing guaranteed income by any means. But for many people, creating their own pension is important. And Mr. Fisher, Mr. Ken Fisher, hates annuities, right? His face is full of fear, disgust, confusion, right? He's got his eyes ablaze, intensity, tight camera shot, dramatic pause. Then Solomon delivers that line, I hate annuities. I'd rather So go much to- so, he's registered a trademark for them. He really has. Yeah. I didn't know that. His, oh. Yeah. I hate annuities. But someone In brought quotes. up a really good question. I think was a good one. If you right away run a financial plan for someone and sees that there's longevity risk and they are going to run out of money and you understand how variable assets work, how do you not recommend Annuities. This is from a purely an academic perspective. Total refusal to recommend an annuity is not sometimes in the best interest of clients, and yet Fisher sells himself as a fiduciary. This is an article out of Think Advisor, but actually got me going because I've written about this numerous times. I can't, I, I mean, <clears throat> we have to be open, Danny, as fiduciaries. We have to be willing to look at what the actual client needs in the highest and best interest of the client, not in the highest and best interest of the firm. It's an honorable goal, and I wouldn't do it any other way. Matter of fact, Danny and I did it that way at wirehouses and really didn't, we weren't really enamored with it. Some of us paid the penalty for it. So, if you aggressively position yourself as fiduciary and then you never recommend annuities because they make no sense, that's really, in many times, not in the best interest of the client. Now, the types of annuities, I can argue, how they're sold, this is where I will take Ken Fisher's side because maybe he's looking at most people are sold annuities, Danny, not planned yep. annuities, right? Which is, which is very true. I mean, I think you can take this for any type of you know, listen, in this industry and within industry, you have a lot of good, a lot of bad. Um, and, and you also have people that maybe you're one trick ponies. They can only do one thing. So if all you can do is sell an annuity, can you be a fiduciary? Truly. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Because then everybody needs one. Exactly. And if you're doing the opposite, I mean, I understand it. I mean. But he thinks the stock and his stocks solve every problem. Yeah, which we know is not the case. Which either. is actually, he's got more of a wirehouse mentality yeah. than a fiduciary mentality. That's Stocks right. are a panacea. They are the band-aid for every problem you have. 
a fiduciary has to be multifaceted and look at you as a clean slate and figure out exactly using mathematics, using as best as we do. We use living to 100. We use certain things to help you understand, look at lifestyle to help clients understand what their longevity risk is. It's not all DNA, people. Mostly it's lifestyle. Unless you have some sort of congenital issue. Your longevity is not really always based on your parents. Matter of fact, less than, I think, 80%. I mean, I think more than 80% actually is, is based on your lifestyle. Are you sedentary? Your diet, right? So you have a lot of people that are really being focused on this. And you have a lot of technology today to help you do that. I use Novos, N-O-V-O-S, and you actually send your blood chemistry in. It comes in and it looks at your telomeres, like how you're aging, I, you know, and, and Lance is always big on health. Everybody, you know, Connie as well. We have a lot of people here that understand health equal wealth. So when you look at annuities, like in the 60s, this is from the article, the dominance of creating retirement income from annuities over traditional financial assets were pro- was, was actually proven mathematically. Richard Thaler, who is one of the best, um, I think, professors out there, He says that people fail to annuitize. In other words, get the guaranteed income stream, which is a conundrum. So it's a mystery. It's a policy failure because I think a lot of wirehouses just don't look at insurance. In other words, it's not a holistic approach because stocks solve every problem you have. I can say the same thing for annuities that I can say for life insurance. Most people don't understand the benefits of having life insurance, even as a living benefit. But as a fiduciary, if a client seems to be looking to run out of money, especially at a time where pensions are as rare as a brain in Davos, why I ought to... Again, the Three Stooges would be better up there on those stages. They have more to say. And And actually, they're better critical thinkers than some of these people. Um, So I would say that you have to really understand is that it's also the type of annuity. Because in its purest form, an annuity is designed to provide a check for life. It is there to help you craft a pension. So how many times, Danny, do we run, we, people go, I think I need an annuity. I, to, I was told I need an annuity. And this is, again, where I take Ken Fisher's side with this. Yeah, oh yeah, you need an annuity. And you need to put like $500,000. How the heck do you know, one, if this person needs an annuity without running a comprehensive financial plan? And two, how the heck do you know how much this person needs to annuitize? Because when I think annuity, I think annuitization. That's how I look at it. To create the paycheck for life that supplements Social Security and my variable assets. Well, there's many different types of annuities, many different ways that you can use them. But I think having a very clear understanding of what you're getting yourself into, what's the purpose of this, when will you either, you know, one, liquidate, because it may be a multi-year guarantee. Similar to a CD, you get a a fixed interest rate. You're able to... um, pull out at a certain point, it has a maturity date. Do you use that? Do you use what Richard's just talking about in the sense of getting something that's going to give you income for life? Do you have one that's going to provide a death benefit? I mean, there's lots of different ways to, 
to utilize these types of investment vehicles. But like you just mentioned, Rich, how many times have you visited with people who say, hey, I've got this old annuity. What do I do with it? Uh-huh. Well, how many like, times man, you, you run into people that didn't take advantage of their income right? That's right. I mean, I see it all the they time. They don't annuity like Richard Thaler said. 80s, 90s. Like, what are you and doing? I'm like, man, now, no. Keep the death benefit. Don't start drawing this right. down now. Because they get sold an annuity, and then the person disappears. They collect the commission, and they're gone. But frankly, what Ken Frischer knows academically about annuities and how they mitigate life, life expectancy risk, what he knows can fit into a dollhouse thimble or a brain of someone in Davos. See my theme here today? Mm-hmm. Brent's like, get this show over with already. We're going to continue this. Is your fiduciary a wolf in sheep's clothing? I sort of like that. I really had his coffee this morning. When we get back. investment advice blog it's required reading for the informed investor catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com looking for clarity for your investments in the new year you must attend our 2024 economic summit navigating markets in a presidential cycle featuring greg valier trump will be a big presence the bigger story in my opinion is how weak joe biden is going to be is the Fed finished tightening? Liquidity, I think, is underestimated. Will rates ease this summer? States are still flush with cash. They haven't spent all their money from the pandemic relief bill. How will the election affect your investments? I don't see any political figure right now who can bring the country conclusively back together again. Register now for our 2024 Economic Summit, Navigating Markets in a Presidential Cycle, featuring Greg Valier with special guest Adam Taggart, plus Michael Lebowitz and Lance Roberts, Saturday, January 27th at the Hotel Sonesta Houston. Navigating markets in a presidential cycle. Featuring Greg Valier. Saturday, January 27th at the Hotel Sonesta Houston. Registration open now at realinvestmentadvice.com. Realinvestmentadvice.com. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. to uh, piss off anybody in the YouTube channel, but based on the comments, what you know about annuities is as much as what the people in Davos probably know. Dangerous statements that you have people sell annuities. What I would say is you do your best as a fiduciary to run a financial plan. And by the way, Ken Fisher said that financial planning is nonsense too. Not all annuities have the commissions that you are thinking about. I'm not a big fan of variable annuities. If an annuity structure is designed to be create a pension, if you don't like your if you don't like an annuity, I would say when you get your social security, donate it. Don't touch it. Make a statement. 
Hill up John Kerry's jet with your annuity check. You may not need an annuity. But if I have an older person who's going to live a very long time and their risks in variable assets are going to run out and they can get a check for life based on a pure annuity, not bells and whistles and all the junk you see that adds all commissions. And if I can run a plan, most of the plans we run, a client doesn't need it. That's what the plan is designed to do. And if you do need it, you're going to go for the lowest cost product that is a pure annuity like term insurance. If you need life insurance, some people will go to whole life, which I still like, but some people, and when they're younger or if they need a specific need filled, are going to go to term. And there are annuities that are such as term insurance. They are designed to do what some people don't have, create a pension for life. So you don't run out of life or run out of money before you run out of life. That is why, that's why people, that's why annuities get a bad rap, Danny. Because of the salesmen that have pushed annuities as the fix-all, just like the fiduciaries that so-called push stocks as the fix-all. And what you say is you can't just go sell an annuity. What if you have a rider that's going to give you a 7% withdrawal rate and you have longevity in your life and you don't have much in the form of variable assets? What are you going to do? Well, I think everybody has to keep it in context. On It may not be good for you. You may not need it. Somebody and else a lot of may. Don't well, need it. it's also contingent I, on you know how much do you have in wealth. And, and here's one exactly. thing: listen, it gets a really bad rap. I've even heard on this this channel or station here where there's somebody on air who says, "Put everything you have into one. It's no big deal." Right. That's the wrong way to look at this. Exactly. Number one, it's not nobody an should ever put everything they have into something like this. Exactly. But you can back into the numbers that you need to make your ends meet. I know people that would be in big time trouble if they did not have an annuity. Absolutely. Me too. And, and stuff that we didn't sell. It's stuff that they've had for a long time. And now, thank God they have it because they would run out, they would have run out of money. Correct. Yeah, that's absolutely I would absolutely say right. most people who are not saving for retirement need an annuity because they need that check for life. They don't have to be start investing in stocks and bonds at age 75. So so listen to this article. Here's an example. If you need to meet Fisher's minimum of $500,000, for example, a 65-year-old new retiree liquidates a product with a $50,000 contract value and a $5,000 lifetime in income benefit. A healthy 65-year-old woman who has enough wealth to meet the Fisher minimum can expect on average to live to age 89 years old. The internal rate of return on the policy liquidated for $50,000 at age 65 would be 8.8%. That's just math. That's just math. So annuities will put in, and again, we're not talking about just your bells and whistles. I'm selling you annuity, everything you have in there, selling first. Your fiduciary responsibility is to determine whether or not that person needs 
insurance of any type, including life insurance, including an annuity structure, which is longevity risk protection. David Blanchett wrote a study not long ago said people who get guaranteed income um, spend more money. Why not? If I know I'm going to get a check in January and I'm going to get a check in February, I can spend it. When you have all your money in variable assets and you're just making it, and I tell you you're going to go from a 5% withdrawal rate to 2.5% withdrawal rate, what are you going to do? And I'm talking about annuity in the form of the purest word, the, ter the definition. Check for life. If I have people, how many clients do you have with pensions and take Social Security and have taken their pension and go, yeah, you know, I'm not, my withdrawal rate, I'm not worried about that. Like, yeah. in other words, if the market's not doing well, I don't need to, I, I, I cover my fixed expenses with this. And I'm like, what a good feeling that is. Well, everything else is icing on the cake. It gives you that flexibility. Hey, things mm -hmm. aren't going well. Maybe I don't withdraw right now. What are those funds intended for as well? Right. Are those legacy funds or are they, Hey, we're going to take a big trip. We're going to spend these funds down. I mean, you know, everybody's different as far as what their objectives are. And that's one thing I think that we make these broad blanket statements that that gets lost where these may not be right for you. They may not be good for a lot of people, but they may be really, really beneficial to somebody. Exactly. And so that's why I think the importance of not saying, Hey, we love them. We hate them. You can't make a statement like that. It's ignorant. Frankly, it is pure ignorance. Can a fiduciary liquidated annuity for an IRR above what an advisor could construct from a bond ladder net of fees to a client's average expected longevity? This isn't an esoteric question. This isn't a, this is purely black and white. Many advisors would liquidate the annuity. Because you're going to say the possibility that $50,000 invested in stocks is going to outperform net of fees. Okay? So what often remains undisclosed is that an advisor who is compensated for managing assets has a clear incentive to liquidate a financial product to receive an ongoing income stream. A real fiduciary, and I'm talking about a fiduciary in heart. Yep. Not on paper, in heart, is going to say, this is a good product. We do not liquidate it. How many times have you said that, Danny? And I know you've said that uh, so many times. Quite a bit. And actually, I've had that conversation, shoot, I feel like a lot more recently where I've had people say, hey, I want to get out of this annuity. I don't like it. And I say, you know what? It's a good annuity. Here's why you hold it. Let's go through. Let's look at the contract. So, so if you feel that way or your advisor is telling you this, number one, I don't believe they can make a recommendation on it without seeing the contract. No, they can't. You can. need to see your statement, most recent statement. Absolutely. And the actual contract and get a very good understanding. And if any of my clients are listening, you've, we've had this conversation. You know it. You, you know that this is the conversation that we've had. Correct. There's never we ever been the, a, hey, mm -hmm. oh yeah, great idea. No, mm -hmm. no. We asked for the contract. We want to know it's the best thing for you. And listen, there are many fiduciary advisors that would, would tell clients they shouldn't liquidate a product with lifetime income benefits because they can't match the performance. That's what a fiduciary is supposed to do. So the conundrum of Ken Fisher calling himself a fiduciary on paper 
but telling you to liquidate an annuity. Equities are far riskier for retirees than a guaranteed income screen providing an 8.8% in lifetime payout. The hurdle rate would be higher than 10% if I consider the fees of the advisor. So this is a bigger theme than just an annuity. This is a theme of what your fiduciary's responsibility is to you as a client. A fiduciary's responsibility you would have, say, for to your child, to anything that you consider yourself a fiduciary of. It's, a, it's far above and beyond you. Sort of like the Davos people feel about the climate over civilizations existing. Nothing else matters. I'm All people sure need you, to die. I'm going to make sure you get an invitation to that next year. Oh, yeah. I'm going go, to eat one of those steaks. That's what I'm going for. I'm going for the food and the mountain. Not the vegan steaks because they don't eat vegan steak in Davos. And how are you going to get there? I'm going to... No, 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 no. I was thinking maybe I would uh, walk, hike. You yeah, row. Yeah. Anything that's green. What's green? I can fly on the wings of a dove. <laughs> Misinformation is all around annuities, and salespeople have created it by selling the wrong products and not having a fiduciary nature because they don't have to. If you're a fiduciary, you're taking that oath that step to do the right thing for the client because more important than anything else you believe in karma like John Kerry's jet should get hit by lightning maybe not with him on it I'm not going to say I want anything bad to happen I'll say something after like the microphone's off we'll be back news you can use delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com the davos style stupidity the Internal Revenue Service issued guidance Friday to help employers implement plesses. No, those are not pretty plants that you put in your garden. These are pension-linked emergency savings accounts. So in other words, I'm going to link in my brain an emergency savings account to your retirement account, which should be in a lockbox. And not only that, they're Roth accounts. So we know Roth accounts, contributions are not deductible. They can be withdrawn tax-free. So part, 
they are cause they are creating Danny these pluses to for you to have money for an emergency. So they're saying you should be able to tap your Roth because why not? It's after tax. Withdrawals are tax free. What is the terrible, terrible, terrible message are we getting from these pluses? Well, they're continuing to they're continuing to allow leakage in every. Why isn't it leakage if it's a Roth? It's not. It's leakage free. Well, because what we're doing is well, invisible diaper. No, no. But anytime you have you have any type of retirement account, it should be designed for retirement. Exactly. This should be the last thing we do. Even so if it's stop, Roth, right? Stop opening up the faucets or the, or the drain. No, they're saying they're doing to this to prevent funds. leakage. That's what well, they're why, why don't we have sound financial principles that we put first? That we say, okay, <laughs> before we do this, here's what you do. Here's a hierarchy of savings. Here's how you put funds aside. But instead we say put everything here. And then don't worry if you need it, you can. Because here's a problem. It's like a credit card that you don't use. But all of a sudden, you decide you're going to use it. You say, oh, well, you know, I really want this. It'll be okay. And then you decide, well, you know what? I'm going to use it one more time. It'll be no big deal. Next thing you know, you start racking up debt because now it becomes a habit. And how many times do you see that when somebody's taking distributions? Oh, gosh. Yeah. Because now it becomes a savings account. Exactly. It becomes the backdrop. And if you don't have that savings account. You are putting blood in the water. Yeah. With this stupid thing. You should have an after. If you want to give employers a tax credit. Or, or, or benefit for setting up emergency savings vehicles. To encourage that of your employees. And separate it totally. From any kind of defined contribution plan, I totally get that. I'm okay with that. I'm absolutely yeah. okay with that. But if you're telling me I've got this Plessa that's going to be 2500 bucks that I could put in, and that's really there for me to withdraw at any time. Well, that's not what a Roth is designed to do. Do not call it a Roth. A Roth is designed for retirement. It is a retirement vehicle, regardless of what this after-tax, pre-tax, whatever it is. So why am I creating this Plessa thing when I could be creating a financial vulnerability cushion initiative, separating it away from my defined contribution plan, and giving companies credit and credit, like Danny, you just said, some sort of darn financial hierarchy literacy to allow people to put money away before they hit their 401k pre-tax. But no, they're going to go ahead and do this. This is what they want. This is what the IRS thinks is genius. I, you know what? I'm done with the show today. I'm, what's that movie? Network? I'm mad as hell, and I'm not going to take it anymore. Open your windows. What was, remember that? It's a great movie. I, best line ever, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, how many people are going to be opening their windows today going, I'm mad as hell. And he was right. He's still right. You know, I'm looking at this Plessa thing. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, because I'm just over here pushing buttons. Uh-huh. What's the motivation? 
the end result, what's the motivation to do something like that, which is clearly counterproductive to savings goals? It, it is. It says these are individual accounts in defined contribution plans to permit and encourage employees to save for financial emergencies. And I'm linking up a Roth. So now I always think a Roth is for emergencies. That a Roth isn't for retirement. The only thing I have for retirement are pre-tax. Roth is for emergencies. How terrible is this? This is possibly one of the worst things I've seen coming out of Davos. I mean, out of the Internal (laughs) Revenue Service. (laughs) I get the intent. I don't get it at all. No, no, no. I get the ignorance. The intent is to encourage people to save and make it easier versus them going online, setting something up. Having something that's right, right there—that's the All intent. Right, I'll give you that. All right. Now, maybe should have. Totally about because it a I just took my meds. Maybe? I'm giving you that. No, but but yeah. but seriously, I mean, I the I intent understand. is there, but it we should have taken it a step further. Separate uh-huh. the account. Mm-hmm. Have that clear separation of the two. Then I think it's it's much better. Yes. But don't call listen. it a Roth. Unless people are going to get a, an additional contribution from employers, and, and, and let's let's be real, if they're going to take money and put it into this account, mm-hmm. where are they going to take that money from? Because they're not just going to say, well, we're going to up everybody's ante here. Everybody's going to get an extra yeah. 2%. No, they're going to go and say, well, you're, we pay you 4% match over here. We're going to give you two here and two there. Don't call it a Roth. Don't even call it Hyman Roth from The Godfather. Don't. <laughs> Don't talk about it. Don't think about talking about it. Remember Jerry Lee Lewis and the guy who played Jerry Lewis in Walk the Line when he was talking about sex and music? Don't think about it. Don't sing about thinking about it. Don't talk about thinking about singing about it. Don't reuse the word Roth with this. So here's the other thing. Can you invest in that account? I would think you can. So that that is why not? It's a Roth, which screws means, up the purpose, though, can, right? So if I put that money into a stock, uh, say yeah. I put that into uh, like my choices, and you're telling me now I put twenty five hundred into a stock fund, and now it's off eight percent. So now, now it's not emergency funds, right? No. So now you're speculating with it. Exactly. Yeah. So is this going to be a Roth that doesn't allow you to put any money? Into the contributions, it doesn't allude to that fact. Yeah. So it needs to be a true savings account that bears interest. That's it the has other to caveat. Be like, yeah, it has to be like a Roth with just one choice, like a money reserve, which means you're killing the benefit of the Roth anyway, right? Because I want my Roth to be aggressive, to grow over time. So if I have a like a pre-tax account, a Roth account, and I have a plus of Roth, maybe I can even deal with that. But I can't. So to your point, Danny, it's very good. It's nothing in here that I see in this in this in this act, this uh, part of the Secure Act in the Plesha in this guidance that says you can't invest it into anything. As I go through this, how many pages is this thing? This nightmare. Oh, it's like every one twenty-seven. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's what I would think. All right, so if you're thinking, like, what, what do you do? What should you be doing right now? Obviously, That's I think, a good you know, point. Go ahead. savings, right? If you do not have a savings account, one of the biggest steps I think people that, that they don't do properly, because we're told retirement, retirement, retirement. Listen, you're getting out of school or you don't have a 
savings account for emergencies, a financial vulnerability cushion, meaning a little bit above and beyond. Start one. Put funds there. Right. Let's start fortifying your financial balance sheet. Then, okay, do you have an objective? Mm-hmm. What is that? Are you going to purchase a home? Do you need a new vehicle? You can start putting funds there. But you can also simultaneously start because you already have that emergency fund set up. We can start saving for retirement. Ideally, Richard and I love HSAs. Mm-hmm. If you have the ability to put funds there and not spend it. Again, like we also say, though, not touch it. Correct. You don't you, not don't think it. of it as a checking account. Why not make an HSA plesser? That's right. Well, HSA is sort of like that. You could take money out at any time. Our thought is not to. Correct. Right. Yeah. Then you go to 401ks, mm-hmm. right? If you have the Roth opportunity for that, great. You know, some people say, listen, I, I can't do everything in it. I make too much money. Maybe you want to hedge your bets. Or they say, I make too much money. I can't put money into the Roth 401k, mm-hmm. but there's no income stipulations like a Roth IRA. So keep that in mind. Yes. Meaning you can make more than the income limit for a Roth IRA and still contribute to a Roth 401k. So lots of advantages with that aspect. You know what's funny about this act too? They call it pension linked. Where's defined, the pension? Like, there's it's not no even pension. about defined, defined benefit plans. It's defined contribution. Yeah. There's, no, there's no pension in the pension. Yeah. Makes no sense. Who wrote this? John Kerry? The same people who cannot produce a budget and instead rely on continuing resolutions it's, to run the government. It's That's the same people where it came from. that did the Inflation Reduction Act. It's which not is, a pension. It's a defined contribution, but it doesn't say attached to your defined benefit plan. You just needed to get the word PLESA. You just needed that. We needed a cool word, so let's call it pension-linked. There's no freaking pension in this act. You know, I lost hair today during this show. That's not necessarily a bad thing. <laughs> hey, listen, you've got to come to Navigating Markets in a Presidential Cycle with Greg Bayer. It is going to be amazing. Greg is one of the best speakers out there. Um, he, he just academically looks at politics, if that's even a thing. He does it very well. Lance Rodham, uh, what's his name? Lance Rodham Clinton. Um... Adam Taggart, Michael Leibowitz, Danny Ratliff. Tickets still available. We'd love to see you there. Have a great weekend, everybody. Lance will see you here back on Monday. Take care.